Thanks for listening to our Legacy Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Christ. And you visit us soon at our Legacy Church campus in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. For more information, visit us online at www.LegacyChurchRI.com. Father, we pray, God, that today you would speak into us your identity for us. God, we come against every spirit that would try to steal from us who you've created to be. We've been created in your very image, Lord. God, you are God who's for us and not against us. You are a healing God. You are a life-changing God. God, while we're yet sinners, Lord, so Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that the word of the Lord today would strike a chord in our spirits We would come alive, Lord, with a fresh passion for you and a fresh passion for life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. We're a loud church this morning. Come on. Why don't you slap high five before you're seated? Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. You know what I noticed this morning, which was unusual, is that we had three boys. Come on. God needs men in his kingdom, and so he's producing them. And I'm reminded of a story. God's in heaven, and he sees all the guys up there. He says, listen, I want you to form two lines. And this line, I want everybody whose wife, oh, the woman, was the head of the household. And this line, I want everyone standing where the men, or the man, was the head of the house. And so the Lord turns his head, and he looks back, and where the women were the head of the household, the line was about 100 miles long. And there was this poor little guy standing over here all by himself. So he goes up to the big line, and he says, Guys, I'm ashamed. What happened? Didn't you read in my word that you as a man should lead your house? And he goes to the other guy and he says, listen, I am proud of you, son. Can you tell these guys, can you tell these guys how you ended up in this line? He says, Lord, I have no clue. My wife told me to get here. I thought that was a funny little joke. But um, we've been talking about the principle of legacy, and the name of this message is Building Legacy. And so what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, we're looking into Scripture, and we're trying to find keys to fulfilling the very reason, the very purpose that you and I have been created. You know, it's easy when you look at babies and, you, and you're thinking, you know, even when we had our three kids, you're thinking, you know, what's my child going to be? You know, and many times we're thinking, you know, we have hopes and aspiration for our kids, right? And you're thinking, oh, maybe he'll, he'll be a doctor or, or a, a lawyer. Or, and we, we tend to think in those grand ideas. But really, what we should be doing as parents is saying, Lord, I pray that my child fulfills the very reason why you have sent them to the earth. 
I pray that my child would be used to fulfill the calling that you have on his or her life and, for, and, and leave a legacy that would fulfill your very mission for this person's life. So last week, we, we looked into the scripture, and we learned that King Solomon, who gave us the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and he was considered in history as one of the richest men to ever live. In the trillions of dollars, they say his wealth was. And the Bible says that he lived an extravagant life. And part of it was he was purposely trying to gain everything that he could possibly gain in life. He had over a thousand wives. And we see that at the end of his life, he speaks through the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to us in every generation. And he says, it's all meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's all stuff. And we see in the New Testament where God gives us an admonition. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his very soul and loses his purpose and his destiny and his legacy? And so we learned that last week. And we also learned that the greatest legacy in every person who's ever walked this earth, the greatest le le legacy that was ever left was left by Jesus Christ. And he left us the legacy of the church which is eternal. It's not temporal. For 2,000 years, God sent his Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In the book of Acts, you can read about it. God empowered a people through his Holy Spirit to continue on in his legacy of bringing redemption to man. We are here in the legacy of Christ because of what Jesus did. So today, I want to talk about an important truth and a critical value, a biblical value that we must live by in order to complete our mission. For, or, for us to live in accordance for, to the reason that God has put us here, we must be planted in the local church. In the local church. When you read scripture, it's all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. The Old Testament points to the cross. It points to the church. But God has always had his church. He's always had an elect people. He's always had a people that heard his voice and followed his ways. To the book of Revelation where, where Jesus is coming back. He sees us not as just a, a group of people that meet in an auditorium in a high school. He sees us as his very bride. We are the mission of Christ on the earth. We must be planted in a local church. It's God's way. It's not man's way. It's not man's institution. Jesus built his church. Jesus brings us to his church. And so when we think about the word legacy, we define it as the lasting significance of the eternal consequence we make with our lives. It's the sum or totality of our existence on earth. Legacy is what you do that impacts others, our children, society, and generations to come. Your relationship with the local church will affect every part of your life. And the only way your life will have consequential meaning versus a like a bug that gets splattered on your windshield. I looked out my sliding glass door 
the other day, and I see, like, I had to be like 25 turkeys at least, just walking around my yard, walking around my yard. My first instinct was, do I have a gun in this house? Can you eat these things? They look really great. And then my second instinct was, nah, you know, I'll leave them alone. Let me just go take some pictures. You know, it's funny that as I walked out there to take pictures, all of a sudden, the biggest turkey looks at me and starts staring me down. And it was really was threatening me, saying, you take one more step, buddy. And all the other ones are kind of hiding. And I said, you know, that's what God does with us. You mess with the church, the Lord Jesus himself will stand and start protecting you. It's important to be planted in the local church. Someone said the two greatest days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why you were born. I want to say the greatest days of your life are the day you accepted Christ. Because life comes into you only through Christ, who is the giver of life. And the day you were planted in the local church, which is his house, his mission, everything that Jesus lived for was about the church. And you know you've come into life, you know you've accepted Christ in your life, because the Holy Spirit comes, he gets a hold of you, and he brings, this, brings change to your life. He brings what the Bible calls a spirit of repentance, repentance to your life. The Bible says in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, love this scripture, he is patient with you. God is patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to perish, the Bible says. Here on earth, he doesn't want your life wasted. And eternity, he doesn't want you living outside of his family, his purpose, your legacy. But he wants us to come to repentance. And the word repentance in the Greek is metanoia, and it means turning or returning to God. See, some of us here, we haven't turned to God yet. And I believe with all my heart that you're here because the Holy Spirit seeks us, and he creates opportunity, and he's constantly chasing after us to awaken our hearts to the reality of an eternal truth that is eternity. There's a heaven. There's a hell. Jesus wasn't a work of fiction. Jesus was a man who actually lived. But he wasn't just a man because we wouldn't be here. He rose from the dead, and he promised everyone who believes in him will not stand condemned but have eternal life with him. And so the Holy Spirit comes. And what does he do? He brings you to a place of changing your mind. And the word repentance means repentance. It, it means turning from what the world puts on you. Repentance is this is the way I've been living. This is the way I've been thinking. This is the way everybody that I know thinks. This is, this is society. This is culture. And it's turning from that. It's turning from godless cultural norms, generational curses. You know, my parents didn't believe in God. My parents were this. I grew up like this. And that's what I'm going to be. Repentance is turning from that, turning from that lie, saying, wait a second, I have a Father who's perfect in heaven. I have a, a, a Holy Spirit who's like a mother figure who wants to love me and nurture me to change. 
and to break the lies of the devil. It's turning from any identity. I love that song we prayed this, we sang this morning. That repentance is turning from any identity of yourself not formed by God. You have an image of yourself. There's a process of thought that happens in your mind. That if it's not purged by the Holy Spirit and coming to repentance in Christ, you're living a false identity. You're not living the life that God has planned for you. And you're not living the fullness of life that God has planned for you. For eternity to eternity. Getting off the... Repentance is turning from how you are not supposed to live. Getting off the road of sin that leads to pain, destruction, and death. And coming into a new way of living. One with Christ, one with His church. And the ways God teaches us to live in His Word, the Bible. Repentance is accepting the forgiveness of Christ. Listen, as a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. Many times we're, we're raised in, in with religious concepts that are so foreign to the, the, the character of Christ. You need to read your Bible and read the words of Jesus to get to know who he was. Jesus is a lover. Jesus is a forgiver. He comes after you, not because you did something right. He comes after you because you haven't done much right. He wants to help you and love you and put you on a new path. He's Jesus. Jesus. Accepting forgiveness as a gift that leads us to an abundant and meaningful life of eternal legacy. How many are grateful that God got a hold of your life today? Come on. Come on. Why are we a loud church? We are a thankful church. Why are we a a praising church? Because we are a changed people. And people come and change every week because God brings you to him and he brings you to his house You must be planted in the local church. And I want to give you some good news, especially for some older folk out there. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to repent. It's never too late. Look at the thief on the cross. The guy had one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. But there were two thieves, weren't there? And one left us a legacy of mercy. He left us a legacy of hope. What do you mean? The guy didn't do anything. He didn't, you know, he didn't climb upstairs on his knees and, and prayed a million different prayers and, and, you know, walked old ladies across the street and, and did good deeds for the Salvation Army. The guy did nothing. But he left us a legacy. How good is that that he said God used this man to leave us a legacy of hope? A legacy of revelation that God is a merciful God. I don't know about you, but I get excited every time I I think of the character of Jesus. God never gives up on any person. But which thief will you be? See, we're all the thieves on the cross. One left the legacy of hope and faith and acceptance of forgiveness in Jesus. The other left a legacy of arrogance, pride, and rejection of the only way that you can enter paradise through the love and forgiveness of Jesus. Which thief will you be this morning? In Ephesians 2, it says, As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world 
and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, say that with me, all of us, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. See, we are born in a sinful nature. We are bent towards sin. We're bent towards sin because the Bible says sin is pleasurable. Sin is pleasurable, but the Bible also says, but for a season. Because sin, in the book of Romans says, brings death to our lives. And here we are, all of us lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we by nature deserving of wrath. And because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions and sins, Christ comes and makes us alive. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. You know, no one has to stand up here and start judging us. You're a sinner. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. That's religion. The Bible says the truth's written on our heart. Sin already condemns us. The devil already condemns us. We know we're sinners. What we need to know is the goodness of God. Because it's God's goodness. You know, I was 21 years old when I came to this revelation of God's goodness. And I would read the red in the Bible and read the words of Jesus. And I started realizing I have no clue, even though I was raised... You know, I went to parochial schools and all that stuff. I had no clue who Jesus really was. I had a false identity of him and a false identity of myself. And as I got to realize that Jesus would forgive me, he loved me even though I didn't love him. That started opening my heart that I, I'm not deserved of this. But Jesus makes you deserve it. He's the one who changes our lives. You know, this man, his name is, uh, how many of you have heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Everyone? Okay. Well, Nobel Peace Prize was started by a man, his name was Alfred Nobel. And, uh, and what's interesting about this man is we kind of know him because of the Nobel Peace Prize. But he was a genius. He was a chemist. He was an engineer. Um, he, he was a weapons manufacturer. And one of the things that he invented, thank God, was dynamite. You say, why thank God for dynamite? Because dynamite helped build this country. Interstate 295, I remember, this is giving away my age, them blowing walls of rock out. And it was because of this guy who invented dy dynamite. Well, at that time, his brother whose name was Ludwig. So with a name like Ludwig, I, I have to get he must have been smarter than Alfred, right? And so Ludwig dies. And this French newspaper, rather than putting Ludwig's obituary, they put Alfred's obituary. And this is what they said. This is true. This is, quote, Alfred Noble, the merchant of death is dead. Dr. Alfred Noble became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. 
That was Alfred's legacy. He saw his legacy. It was written before him, and it had such an impact upon him. Now, Alfred, like many, uh, that many people don't get the opportunity that Alfred has, what, was the, he had the opportunity to change his legacy. And he says, oh, my goodness, this is my legacy. This is what people think of me. So what he did was he ended up taking $250 million, setting aside a fund, and he, and he used this fund to, to give prizes away, Nobel Prizes, to anyone who would make humanity better. Chemistry, medical, science, physiology, peace, the Nobel Peace Prize. And he changed his legacy. Let us not be people that wait till it's too late to change our eternal legacy. Do I hear any? Amen. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So today, as I'm speaking about this important truth that we must be planted in the local church, I want you to get this with your spirit. Because church isn't a place that you attend. Church is a place that you are. Church is a place that you become. You become the very legacy of Christ. I don't know if you guys uh, have, you know, watch the news, but, but um, you know, Gallup, the Gallup polls, they just every year they come up with what's called the Global Emotions Report. And what they do is they survey people all over the world to determine the level of happiness or misery in the world. And they were stunned that, that this, we are living in a time that is the most miserable time for people of, in the history of the 10 years they've been doing this. And I thought about that, and I said, that is great news. Because misery brings us to God. Misery brings people to the house of the Lord. Let misery reign. And let people's hearts be awakened that there is a place of hope. It's the church. There is a place of faithfulness. It's the church. There is a place that can break depression and all the chains that are making you miserable. There is a place that can give you good relationships and people that really care about you. There is a place where you can start being healthy in your mind, healthy in your emotions, catch a vision that God has a plan for your life. You're not just going through life. God knows you by name. He's got good things for you, the Bible says. The church is the answer. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to Jesus and the church. The church is not man's idea. It's God's plan for bringing the message of redemption to the earth and restoring his family. But let me say this. The devil hates the church. The devil hates the church. But the good news is the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the enemy. That's good news. But let me just take a step down. You know, God starts building his church one person at a time. But there's a tug of war for every single one of us. There's a war for your soul whether you know it or not. 
So God starts building the church one person at a time. And there's a tug of war going on for your soul. And so he brings some good-looking guys. You're on this side. You're facing that way. Yeah. He brings some good-looking guys that God has touched, that God has empowered, that God has awakened their spirit. Jesus says, you must be born again, touched by the Holy Spirit, to come to the realization that God is real. And he starts building the church. But the problem is, most of us are over here. Sinners. We're on the other side. Most of us over here. And there's a war going on, whether you know it or not. You are fighting against God with your life when you're on the wrong team. You don't even know you're on the wrong team. The Bible says that he's got us deceived. Some of us are blinded, the Bible says, by unbelief. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I believe in God. And here we are. Fighting against God, fighting against Jesus, fighting against the cross, fighting against the church. We don't even know it, but the devil's got us deceived. He says, come on, the path that leads to heaven is narrow. Few get on it, but the path that leads to hell is wide and many get on it. And then there's others. The Bible says that we love sin more than we love God. Quote. Truth. We're all there, the Bible says. We're all there. Like sin. Love it. Fun. Party. My friends are going to hell. I want to go there too. And here we are with Satan and his angels fighting against the church. And the church is resisting. And the church is battling. And God gets some other people saved. And they join the church. <clears throat> and usually the church has the most beautiful people in the world <laughs> joining the church. And so, you know the funny thing about Christianity is as Christians, as the world comes off of us, we get better looking. We get younger. <laughs> what is that? Because sin is a weight. Sin kills you. It kills you. And so now the church is pulling and the church is praying. And the church is saying, Lord, I pray for my brother. I pray for my brother, God. I pray for my dad, Lord. I pray for my own. I pray for the guy I work with, Lord. And God starts working. And God starts working. And all of a sudden, because of the work of the church, because of their faithfulness, they're working. They start coming over <coughs> one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And the church gets stronger. And the church gets more powerful because God adds faithful people who love the Lord. Not people that just attend. People that are doing the work of the ministry. They're doing the work of the ministry. They're becoming the church. We're the great rescue team of Jesus Christ on the earth. God doesn't just want you on the rope. Because you become a weight. God wants you pulling. Pulling. Involved. God wants you in the work with Jesus. I tell you, the church is powerful. 
You are here. All of us are here. I was here. Deceived. Going to hell. Living, working with the devil, not even knowing it. Fighting against God and fighting against his plan. And God came because the church, some church, some Christian was praying for me. Someone got a hold of me, started speaking to my heart. Someone came up and said, listen, listen, let me tell you what you need. You need Jesus and you need a church. I want you to come to church. I want you to come to church. And there's a battle going on for your soul and the devil's resisting you. And, and all these lies and religion and all this fake stuff that's in our heads and trying to keep us back. But they're praying. They're inviting They're doing social media posts. They're praying. They're setting up the church. They're making coffee for you. They're here praying, God, bring my relatives in. Let them be touched by your Holy Spirit. God, I want them in heaven with me. I don't want them lost. God, I pray for my uncles, my aunts, the people I work with. I pray for my sisters. And they're working, and they're working. They're joined in together on this great mission for Jesus Christ. And we're all here when we come to Christ and his church because of the church and because of these people. Amen? Let's thank God for this great group of people. You know, sometimes churches are afraid to talk about darkness, talk about demons, talk about devils and talk about the reality of evil and and Satan. But it's the truth that sets us free. Eternal life, eternal destinies are too important for us to to be under a cloud and not really knowing. The devil hates the church. He will fight to keep you out of it. He will convince you that you don't need it. He will stir up a fence against it. Hurts. People get hurt sometimes in church. Church is not perfect, but we worship Jesus. We don't worship man. We worship Jesus. But at the same time, God has a church for you. He wants you planted. He wants you rooted. He will point to the church's flaws. We see a lot of that now. Let me tell you something. As long as humans are part of the church, the church is flawed. Okay? But that doesn't mean there aren't healthy churches. That doesn't mean there aren't genuine churches with people that are genuine, that, that, that you can trust and, and, and link arm in arm with and say, you know what, I feel the presence of God in this place. I can sense the genuineness of this place. The Bible's being taught. The worship is real. You know, the leadership have a, a track record. They're living the life. You know, their kids are living the life. There are great churches all over the earth, people. You will just hear what the devil wants to point to. Shut your ears to the lies of the devil. Pray for the church. Love the church. Jesus died for it. Don't talk bad about it. There's friendly fire, just like, you know, in, in, in war. You start seeing U.S. troops killing each other. It's friendly fire, you know. And it's sad that many times... The greatest antagonists, the greatest voices that speak against the church were people that are in the church. Lord, cleanse my lips. Here I am, Lord. Let my lips not come against 
the anointed, your house. If you have an issue and you can't settle it, you pray, you get a blessing from your pastor if you're in a church, and you go where God's leading you. That's fine. But don't leave a church and start joining the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. And who are you? By the same standard you judge, it will be judged. That's the judgment that will come against you. Be a person of mercy, grace, and love, because love covers the multitude of sin. But God has a place for you. You need to find it and get planted in it. Jeremiah, I will rejoice, God says, over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart, with all my soul. God plants you in the church. He wants you planted. You need to find the soil that he wants you planted in. Once you find good soil, once you feel the Holy Spirit saying, this is where I want you, get planted deep. Let your roots go deep because life has its winds. Life has its storms. But plant your roots deep because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Plant your roots deep. It says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. God plants you in a church to do you good, to do your marriage good, to do your children good, to do your finances good, to do your emotions good, to give you peace, to have a place where you can find love and acceptance, to use your gifts for the Lord, to find purpose, to find legacy. God plants you in the local church. You cannot be a healthy spiritual person without being planted in the local church because you'll be completely disconnected from the very system that God has set up through Jesus Christ for us to be healthy. But above all, God plants you in the local church. This is above all so that you and I can join together in this great big battle that's happening to rescue people. You might be here today and you're saying, I think I'm on this side. Hey, join the rest of us. We're all on this side. But God's brought you here today to give you an opportunity to come to another place. You know it. It's in your heart. The Bible says no man needs a preacher. The truth's written on your heart. When I was over here, I knew where I was headed. I just would suppress it. I would lie to myself until I couldn't lie anymore. Until I was so empty, so miserable, so hopeless, trying to figure out the whole meaning of life. Graduating, you know, Bryant University, thinking, you know, to make a lot of money, and, but still empty, still hopeless. The degree didn't do it. Great to get a degree. But that wasn't doing it. Relationships didn't do it. Rock and roll didn't do it. Nothing was satisfying my soul. God had another plan. He has another plan for us. To leave this world and to come into this world. Now it gives us not only our eternal reason for being here, 
but the very reason for your life starts to unveil. The emptiness starts to be filled by the Holy Spirit. The brokenness starts to be healed from off of you. The false identity, strongholds of your thoughts. It's not like magic, but you're in the right place of healing. You're in the right place where Jesus is. And where Jesus is, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's freedom, there's goodness. Amen? Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by our Legacy Church podcast and hope to see you soon at our 11 a.m. church service in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. You can connect with us on any social media platform at Legacy Church RI. Have a blessed week.